We want to welcome you guys back to Stern's Tech Talk, and as you can tell, my voice is not all that great, and I didn't really feel like I could do a show, and uh, so this is what it sounded like last week. Obviously, this is pre-recorded, but um, what with my voice not being all that well, and we didn't really have enough time to research over the Thanksgiving Day weekend, um, we just decided to postpone that episode for the week of the 4th, so... With that being said, we will get into this week's news and uh, go from there. So yeah, we definitely want to welcome you guys back to the show. Uh, as you can tell, my voice is much stronger. I do have some nasally congestion stuff still going on, but um, definitely we'll jump right into it. So... Currently, Samsung's self-repair program supports the Galaxy S20, the S21, and the Tab S7 Plus. Uh, But more leaks indicate that smartwatches and earbuds may be inducted into the program of supported devices for self-repair. And uh, I guess my question here is, how many of you would actually feel okay with self-repair? If you had the instructions, if you had the uh, actual parts... Um, and depending on how much, you know, it would cost, how many of you would feel comfortable with that? I know we have various, you know, you know, demographics as far as listening to our channel. Um, but I kind of interested to hear what you would say, Riley, cause I, I kind of have an idea, but, um, I think if you're a tech savvy person, I think it's perfectly fine. Um, you're perfectly capable to do that. I don't see an issue with it. Um, I think there needs to be both self-repair and then actual, like, service repair. Both of them need to be a thing. It can't just be, because what we've talked about recently is services are limiting you to not being able to repair it yourself, which I think is downright horrible. I think any company that does that, even if they're trying to make the extra buck, they're not doing too well as a company, I think that's awful. Um, I So, yeah, I think self-service... Um, I don't actually have a problem with it at all. I think it's a very good thing to have. And you're someone that would probably do it yourself. Yes. Um, I mean, <laughs> I as long as there were the instructions were there, I would still feel a bit uncomfortable being as I haven't really had a lot of experience with repairing devices. But I think as long as there is, you know, enough information. Something concise. Something yeah. concise. As long as there's some information for me to... Yeah, and I think, yeah, these guys, Apple and especially Samsung, they're pairing with iFixit. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, I think you can even go on to their YouTube channel and I think you could have a good understanding of how to do it. Yeah. Um, and personally, I think I would feel comfortable doing about 95% of this stuff as far as, you know, getting into the components, unscrewing stuff. And I feel like it may be, there may be a little bit of a hes- hesitancy only because I know that my phone is no longer going to be officially IP rated. Right. Because, I mean, obviously they'll give you the ceiling gasket to go around the screen and such. And I think that would give me the comfort of knowing, okay, I don't think there's going to be too much of a problem with liquid penetration. Yeah, yes. you're not going to lose. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I guess it's just debatable and some people will feel comfortable with it, some people won't. But outside of that, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like this is something, for me at least, I feel like it's actually fun. I like yeah. taking apart phones. Mm-hmm. I like putting them back together. M- our mom would probably be the last person to do it. Amen. Um, 
she would actually have us do it, or she would probably just call up Apple and say, "Hey, I am having issues here." Yeah. Um, so, and that's that's no offense. To, there's just people that just yeah, don't that's... feel comfortable with it. They they don't have the knowledge, and they're just they have their own set of skills, and tech is just not one of them. I, I think I could even say that about my wife. Yeah, um, that's that's why that's why I say there should be both. I think there should be a exactly. Balance between yes, it has to balance. People it who out. are tech savvy, people don't really have that common. You know, well, I wouldn't say common knowledge, but people don't have that knowledge. Uh, to do that, um, and again, instructions should be concise so that people are tech savvy who haven't really done it before aren't going to screw up. <laughs> so, right, and I, th- I think to, just to end with this, I think what I would say is that if you don't have the knowledge, you're paying for the labor and the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's the advantage of having self service is because you already know how to do it or you have the confidence and understanding of at least the gist of it. So, but uh, with that right. being said, we will definitely move on. We've mentioned this a couple of times now, the last couple of months, uh, that Stadia, um, as you know, Google has uh, owned and has uh, produced these games that uh, you're able to play online. Um, in the next couple of weeks, they are now giving out uh, hardware refunds, and uh, then they also will be shutting down fully January 18th, so all servers will be completely gone and everything like that, so... Yeah, I I think it was a couple of weeks ago we announced that they would um they're actually issuing the refunds. Uh, I'm assuming that was more pertaining to software. But yeah, it sounds like they're actually going to have that fully ref or not fully refunded, but they should start you should start he- seeing that hit your accounts in about next 2 to 3 weeks is what we're hearing. So well, this past week, Google has been pretty busy. Uh earlier this year we saw a couple of announcements from Google and their at their IO event. Um, And we're starting to see quite a few of those features come to fruition. And um, we also saw a major feature drop as well. This just came out uh, yesterday. And I won't get into all the nitty-gritty, but I'll hit the highlights for sure. Um, First of all, that feature drop contains over 150 security fixes, Hmm. over 70 bug fixes and improvements, uh, including better anticipated battery life and improved responsiveness on the fingerprint reader. Uh, and like I said, I won't get into all the tiny bug fixes, but as far as the features, um, they've added more language to live text, which include Danish, Persian, Swedish, Arabic, and Vietnamese. And then in addition to English and Spanish, they've, or they've added that they already have, um, they provide grammar checking for French as well, which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> Um, this one I found was kind of odd. They, they now give you the ability to detect coughing and snoring for sleep data in your health app. Uh, and I think that was originally on the seven and the seven pro, but I think it's finally going to be on the six and the six pro. Yeah. I thought that was a little odd, but I mean like, Hey, why not? There are, um, apps, I think on the app store, uh, that actually track that. And I've seen loads of them and they're kind of annoying. I never think anything honest. of them. No, not yeah, really. Exactly. Although I think it is actually a good idea as it pertains to your well-being and your health. So it's not actually a bad thing. It's good that they've actually no, implemented really. that into the uh, the software. So Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that they've also added that it's pre-installed for the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro is the uh, previously announced Google VPN. Mm. So that's now actually pre-installed uh, with, this, with this feature drop. Um, you can also now toggle the lock screen media on and off, which I thought was great because when I first installed that update, 
um, or not the up, that update, but the that Android version. I hated that because I was like, I don't necessarily like having it where I swipe through, and it's just just too confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, I, I, first, they've actually improved how it works, and now you can actually toggle that on and off. So uh, I think having both of those is great. And again, this just this just emphasizes Google's um, point of interest when it comes to customization, allowing the user to decide right. what they want, uh, which we've we've honed in on many times. So. Um, battery data now expands from 24 hours to seven days. Wow. So, which is great. This is, this is, now we're starting to see them kind of pull in some of the stuff we see on iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a feature called clear calling that you can enable now. And then there's also the recording label feature. So what you can do is you can have your pixel, you know, in a conference room or whatever, and it will detect different voices and it, it'll okay. give them labels and such. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, so it's great for when you go back through the transcript and you can tell, okay, this is the person that's talking, and they'll give you different labels, and then you can also customize those labels to like give it a name or whatever. Really thought that was, I think there's a couple more tools in there as well, but I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, and I'm pretty sure we saw that uh, in the announcement as well. Um, yes, so the... There's f- a lot. Yeah, there is a lot on this feature. It was 412 megabits on, I think, the 7 Pro. Wow. So, which I, I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, like when you compare it to iOS. No. And considering how much this stuff is, like this is really feature packed. Uh, I feel like 412 is not that much considering, you know, what we have here. No, not at um, all. But the Pixel 4, yeah, the Pixel 4 and 4a join um, messaging transcript for text messages, which is also great. I mean, that's okay. a, quite a few year old phone right there, and they're getting that, that uh, feature. And then I think the only other thing we had was just a few new wallpapers. Um, I think it was like three to be exact. Um, but with that being said, I mean, that's pretty amazing just to see these these uh, features and also all the security and bug fixes come to this because I really feel like they're trying to push towards a more refined operating system where you're not experiencing so many glitches and such. That And this is the stuff that I've talked about where I'm like, I, I, I don't notice this stuff on iOS. Yeah, but now I'm 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 getting the impression that I'll probably notice this less when you know I'm, I'm using my my Androids. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like the update that we just had for iOS 16 was five gigs, and its main focus was the lock screen, and yet here we are getting 468 megabytes, and there's like it spans wide than just one thing. I'm 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 guessing that that probably has to do somewhat with. Um, Zipping files, mm-hmm. compacting them, and then they unpack. Yeah. Um, but it still begs the question. I assume Apple does that as well. I guess they're not doing it on big of a scale, or or they just they have too much in them. I don't know. It's it's really <laughs> it's really weird. I mean, yeah, we really don't know too much about that. But um, there are two other things that did come along with uh, what Google is doing here. This one I think is in the code. So. When they announced earlier this year that they would be joining Apple, quote-unquote joining Apple, in the effort to bring digital ID to other users, uh, we're actually now seeing that appear in the beta code within Google Play services. So we definitely see this coming as far as digital ID. Hmm. I know we've talked about this. We've kind of voiced our concern and kind of how we feel about uh, how about, about that in, uh, in both platforms. Um, and then also... The interesting thing about messaging here, I'm not sure how many people out there know this, but um, when it comes to one-to-one text messaging on Google Messages via RCS, 
um, they are actually encrypted. But group messages, and I mean where you know the group recipients have Google Messages and RCS enabled, have not been encrypted. Hmm. So, uh, but that is evidently slowly changing as Google is implementing the security through select beta rollouts to Google Messages. Um, and I'll post a link in the description that will walk you through how to enable beta access in Google Messages um, so you can you know, be ready for whenever that update is available for you. Uh, but I was just like, huh, that's, that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that because I would have kind of assumed um, shouldn't they all be encrypted? No, I, I think I think it's going somewhere, obviously. I don't think Google's... I wouldn't see Google as a company where they just have one encrypted and then one not. Seems a bit inconsistent, um, but I, I definitely think they're going to uh, implement that as far as that goes. Um, I mean, I guess my only thing is, I, I, like, I like you're kind of saying, I appreciate the fact that this is happening. Yeah. But I think the most annoying thing about this is, is that, you know... It's going to take some time for this to take place, and even when this does happen on a massive, massive scale, not just beta, but um, so much of it has to do with all of the specifics. Um, and I, I know we talked about how it would be great if you know Apple would just join and adjust their practices with RCS, right? <laughs> but um, for this to work, you have to have Google Messages as your default texting app on Android. You have to have the correct version of that application, and then you have to have RCS enabled. Yeah. And then you have to have all your recipients with that same criteria. Right. See, that, and that, that, that's the difficult part of Android because it's so open source and because there's so many manufacturers using it and there's different versions. It yes. makes it very difficult when you want to implement security to have it done on that mass scale. I would also think would uh, would the masses appreciate that because I I don't think everyone would be all for this. I think a lot of people appreciate the fact that um, because all they see, especially people who are like you know thirties, forties, all they care about is just direct messages. They don't really necessarily see it as they don't think about. No, this they stuff, don't think exactly. about that. You and I obviously do because we understand the fact that. Um, RCS direct messaging through those um, inner works, I guess tunnels, you could say, yeah. inner tunnels, it would be an amazing thing to have. But for people who literally just use a phone for everyday life, they're not thinking about this. So I guess my thing is like a lot of people probably would like this. A lot of people probably would just be like, eh, it doesn't pertain to me. I don't really care too much. So, I mean, I think about my father-in-law. I mean, he he sends text messages. I know for, probably for a fact that he just, he, that's not something that crosses his mind. He's just trying to get a hold right. of, you know, my wife and stuff. So it's it's really interesting how certain people perceive this. And, you know, it might be a big deal for you and I. And, yeah, I'm sure some of our listeners are like, why is this such a big deal? Well, I mean, this is something that Apple's been doing for years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how Apple and Google have these flip-flops where Google's been doing this stuff for years and then it takes a while for Apple to pull on. And then there's other features where Google's just like, okay. <laughs> right. But uh, speaking of updates, yep, we have sixteen point one point two out right now, and I actually did download it um, a couple days ago. I think just just right when it released. Uh, as far as I have been able to um, tell, there really hasn't. It mainly pertained to um, crash detection, and then I think there was some minor fixes, uh, and that was about it. 
Uh, there was, wasn't anything that has changed in my use. Um, however, actually recently I have noticed that my battery has been um, heating up a little bit more than usual. Hmm. I don't know. Really? Yeah, I think that w- that may have been last week before the update, but um, it has been doing that, and I'm not sure why. Um, so, but but my use hasn't really been changing. It's I this morning I was at 100, uh, percent and by the time I got home from work, it was about 20. So yeah, all in all, I'd say nothing's really changed much. But I'm glad that they're at least fixing some issues um, regarding um, crash detection because, um, as we've uh, mentioned before. A lot of things have uh, caused that thing to trigger, and uh, it's caused a lot Did of Did you havoc. hear about that with, I think there's a latest story, something about uh, skiers. They somehow tripped up crash detection. Really? I have not heard that. To, to get it. Yes. Wow. I, I, I heard that recently. I was like, I cannot believe that. Uh, I mean, I guess when you tumble down a hill, it... it yeah. <laughs> it, I guess it doesn't take much know. then. Man, I only, I thought it yeah. took like, a high amount of, you know, gravitational force and, like, that accelerometer must be pretty sensitive for it pretty to be sensitive that, yeah but. i mean if if i guess it's uh i would expect that if it was like an avalanche but i mean if you're just tumbling down a hill or you misstep i guess it's enough to say yeah. hey uh we're gonna help you out uh the other thing i did want to note about that update is um it did inc- include some improvements on compatibility with carrier networks so yes. you may not notice um some better experiences with cellular connectivity but I know that I have personally seen an improvement with connection uh, to T-Mobile, which is what I use, well, was what we use. Um, and it was somewhere between the first iOS 16 update, and it might have been back on the betas, um, but I've been off the betas for my 13 Pro for a while. And um, between the recent one on 16.1.1. My 5G use speeds have dropped. So they used to be... Um, really high and then during that span it dropped down to like 30 to 80 megabits wow on 5g yes you see and now after this update they are back up to 300 to 750 megabits that's good so they definitely changed okay. that compatibility so if you guys are out there um and and you're you're on that uh, 16.1.2 you may notice some changes i'm not sure if that uh, that may not just be limited to t-mobile you may even notice some changes on at to your verizon as well so that's good but yeah, with that being said, I actually think this is interesting. You might have, you guys have might have seen this on Facebook and some of the ads on there, depending on what you're interested in and what Facebook tracks you on. Um, but we've seen some gimmicky, sketchy watches that have earbuds pop in and out of the sides. And I think I sent this to you a couple of weeks ago, and you were like, "Oh, we should put that on the show." I'm like, "I don't really think it's going to go anywhere." <laughs> Well, now we have some leaks that a major tech brand is implementing this into one of their products. Wow. I don't know if this is going to be conceptual or what, um, but the sad part about this is the major tech company is Huawei. So the U.S. probably won't be able to enjoy much of this. So, But as per a leak from Weibo, a person is holding this watch, and obviously we'll, we'll post this in the link below, but they're holding this watch, and the top piece opens on a hinge. And the earbuds are magnetically yeah. held inside just below. It's, uh, it's actually held on the, um, the chassis. Inner, inner side of the top. Yes. Um, and, and, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, we just saw the video clip. But they, they were definitely earbuds, and you could tell. And I'm like, wow, this actually somebody's considering this. And um, 
before I kind of explain a little bit more on what's on the inside, I just actually wanted to hear what you had to think about this because we just, I, I know we were kind of excited and then other part of me was just like, I, this might be a bit too much. The the way the pictures looked, it seemed like it was almost cheap um, yes. and not that yes. well professionalized, um, if you will. But I mean, if if you see a major tech company doing that, you know that they're they they're onto something there as well. I, I the concept I thought was actually brilliant, and I'm honestly surprised why you haven't done this earlier in the last couple of years. Because you know, with technology advancing quickly, you'd think it'd be a, a thing that would be happening. But I digress. Um, no, I think that's actually very good um, to have because now. You don't have to have a case with you the whole time. Your headphones are charging while in your um, watch. You can take them out, ease of access. Everything's with you the whole time. There's a lot of benefits to this, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of cons, like your watch is using up a lot of battery to charge the headphones. Um, You know, you have to add more weight, more volume into the watch itself. Um... There's just a there, there's a lot of things on both sides here, uh, but to see this is actually quite amazing in my opinion. I'm I'm actually really uh, enthralled. I would say by it. Yeah, same here. I, I really think this is uh, a, a pretty cool piece of tech. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, I, I, that's those are exactly my concerns. I'm thinking, how big does this battery have to be to not only power the watch, but actually recharge your earbuds? Yes. Uh, which right. says one of two things: you either have a huge battery. Or you have earbuds that really don't provide that much sound quality. Or exactly. Power. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So those that's kind of where I'm like on the fence about this because there's just so much limited space on a timepiece. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously that's really all that we know at this point in time. Uh, we did see some contact points within the uh, watch as well as on the two ends of the earbuds, so we do know it was actually chargeable. Um. But outside of that, I don't have any other rumors. I don't have any other uh, leaks as to as far as whether this is, like I said, going to become a mass-produced piece of tech here. But um, like it, it is, it is uh, enticing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And time will tell whether or not we'll we'll see this come. Uh, maybe not even from just Huawei, but uh, other brands as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and moving along to uh, Microsoft and Sony. So uh, we have some information from uh, Games Radar that uh, they expect, or at least the rumors are, that Sony will be releasing their PS6 and Microsoft will be releasing their Xbox in uh, 2028. Um, But there also is another uh, thing here, a caveat with this. In 2027, this contract between Sony and Microsoft in regards to Call of Duty uh, will end. And basically, this contract states that... um, up until that stated date, Sony is allowed to use uh, Call of Duty, Activision, and what have you, um, and they have the rights to have it under their um, product, ma- mainly speaking about the um, PS series. And uh, what would happen is if this contract ends and Microsoft no longer sees a need for Sony to have this, they will, not, they will no longer be able to support that game. Um, and to me, I think they should definitely continue doing this 
Uh, I have played Call of Duty. I've uh, played Black Ops 2, um, Modern Warfare 2, uh, and then I think, uh, oh yeah, World at War. And uh, I enjoy the game. I play a lot with my friends. Uh, we mainly play zombies, obviously. That's like an amazing, fun game there. Um, but it's a classic game. Whenever you hear that game, you're like, oh yeah, that's on the PS5 or that's on the Xbox and you could debate which one's better in terms of software and whatnot, what have you. But, um, it's a game that's held, uh, uh, the, the whole masses together, uh, in regards to gaming. I almost feel like it's a common ground among many gamers. I mean, it's just easy to just jump right in and say, oh yeah, you want to play COD and it's just, there you are, you're on there online. JD doesn't play COD. I do not play COD. I but. cannot get into uh, first-person shooter games. I just can't. It's I've tried it before, and it's just not my. It's yeah, it's niche. not his style. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just but, not my style at all. But so. even then, a lot of people love this game. But it's not like if, I've never heard of it. Exactly. It's, it's right. It's, it's like so everyone knows it's, what it's, it's COD there. is. Yeah. And if Microsoft ends this, I think you will see a lot of boycotting. Maybe withdrawal from Microsoft. Um, just because P- there's there's a lot of people that like PS5. There are so the many PS, PS, PS loyalists out there, PS, for sure. Yes, there are. Me, personally, I prefer Xbox, but I can see why people love the PS. I mean, it's just, we can argue, again, like, which one's better and, you know, whatever. I, but, I, I highly doubt my wife is going to listen to this episode. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go this one extra step here. Um, just watch. Twenty listeners are going to actually contact my wife if you know her number. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I am actually yeah. debating, and I'm not going to do it anytime soon, but I've actually debated buying a PS5. Hmm. Um, one, because there's a game on there called Stray, and I'm sure... I, I have it. it. You have Stray? I have Stray. On the, on yes. the computer? Yes. Because, they, yes, they have it on computer, they don't have it on Xbox, and I am like, do you actually like it? I mean, how, what do you think about it? I like it. It's a pretty um, pretty interesting game. I actually bought it mainly for my wife because she loves cats. And it's exactly. Cat I was like, I saw this game, game and I saw this ad and I was like, yeah. I swear my wife would love this and it would be a oh, great birthday she would, present yes. or like a Christmas present or something like that. It's really cool. And it's only but available on, they don't have on computer. Xbox. And it's not, I don't know. I, they said that's that weird. eventually they'll get it, but I'm like, I don't know how long that's going to take and she's not really too much in computers, but she does do a lot of console gaming. Uh, well, to add to that point, I was also going to say, you're right. There are games that Sony has exactly that Xbox doesn't. Yep. There are games that Xbox has that Sony doesn't. I mean, it's just you can't say like, well, if they get this, if they get caught off of Sony, it's not going to be a major deal. Um, It's going to be pretty major for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's just there's a lot of things that could really affect Microsoft in this way. I really don't think they should get rid of this. It's it'd be a bad plan. I don't think they're going to. I mean, you have to be completely insane unless for some weird reason they'd have to. But um, yeah, and I think the article even said, let's see, I think they quoted Spencer uh, and he said, quote unquote, treat Call of Duty like Minecraft because he wanted to bring it to as many platforms as possible, even including the Nintendo Switch. So uh, it really sounds like they won't be doing this, but it's just interesting to contemplate like how big of a move would that be to say, hey, we're not allowing you to have any access to Call of Duty anymore. You're just going to have your own games and be known as, you know, those PS loyalists um, that are going to follow you. So um, all in all, I mean, to ra- kind of wrap this up, I, I think it's, it's, it, it, that game has been beneficial for both parties, and I don't really see that yes. going anywhere. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but then moving along, we've got some deals um, 
over here we've got the apple ipad 10th gen the one that was just released uh, about a month ago uh it's now 50 dollars off on amazon and best buy um so you can run over there and grab that deal yeah the other deal we do have though is uh, this is not really actually a deal but it, it's come more of a perk for those of you who are lg tv owners um this is a great time right around christmas but if you own a 4K or an 8K LG TV that was launched within the past four years, you are eligible for three months of free Apple TV Plus, uh, which I know That's quite good. a few people that enjoy that content uh, that Apple provides. But uh, nevertheless, we see Apple TV Plus free trials all the time. Yeah. Um, often you have them right. when you buy select Apple products. Um, if you have and, plans and for cellular included. service. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, it's just nice to know that I mean, you've had this TV for maybe one, two, three, four years, and, and you get this little perk, like, oh, well, I've wanted to try that. Let me let me give it a shot. So it's just something to let you guys know in case you do own one of those TVs. Uh, again, that's if you have a 4K or an 8K that was launched in the past four years. So Yep. And then the next thing we've got is Nintendo is offering this really cool discount on the Switch. So this is actually a bundle. You get the... Um, the actual Switch itself, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and a three-month subscription to Nintendo Online. That That's is a nice pack. That is a really nice pack, and especially when you think about the fact that we just talked about a couple weeks ago that uh, there's a new wave of tracks coming out um, from older um, consoles. So this is great. If your um, person has been like, man, I really wanted to get the Switch. There's never been really good deals. And you've wanted Mario Kart and you've wanted online. Well, this is your this is your homeboy right here. Um, but yeah, that's what we got there. Yeah. So I, I'm actually excited about that deal. Not because I don't own one. I do own one. But it, it's just nice because it's a perfect time with, one, the holidays. Two, you get those three months of online, and uh, three, and, and then three, like Riley said, we'll have that wave come out on Wednesday. So uh, if you guys already do own one, it's uh, two days away, and I'm, I'm ready to download that update and get those tracks. So Absolutely. Uh, and again, this one is not technically a deal either, but um, your wife might actually be excited about this in some way, shape, or form. So with that Christmas season coming around, um, Motorola is kind of joining in on that celebratory factor, and their mid-range Edge 30 Fusion will be available here in the States along with a new color that's uh, magenta. Um, that link will be in the description also, uh, which, and I have to say, when you look at that image, it's definitely a Christmassy magenta. It's not... Um, like a T-Mobile magenta. The model itself actually has some decent specs. Uh, I think it has a Snapdragon 888, uh, which is not that, you know, far off as far as when it was launched. And this model has a 6.55-inch screen, full HD OLED display with 144 hertz refresh rate. So, hmm. uh, you nice. know, 50-megapixel camera, 4,400-milliamp battery, and 68-watt wireless charging. So it's a decent phone. Uh, if you guys want to get one, it will be available soon. Uh, the only thing I really have a problem with is the price tag. So it's around seven, eight hundred dollars, which I know that one of those uh, prices include uh, a pair of um, Motorola earbuds. Mm -hmm. But when you consider how heavily discounted the Pixel Seven is, I find that extremely hard to pass up and yeah. go for a Motorola model. But uh, if you're a Motorola loyalist, like. 
kind of like your wife, um, that would definitely be something to uh, jump on. I mean, the one that we bought was like $800, so it's it's kind of... I think Motorola's kind of on that um, wave of similar pricings. I, they don't seem to go above eight, 900 maybe 1000 So I guess that's just their average price, but, you know. Yeah. Regardless. Um, and then the uh, next thing we have um, for this evening is... Uh, from 9 to 5 Google, and uh, they're saying that Google unlocks the ability for users to share digital car keys in wallet. With a lot of newer smart cars, you're able to unlock your car with your phone, which is pretty cool. Um, but now Google's adding the ability to where you can actually share that car key, the mobile car key, any person. And uh, this applies mainly right now to the Pixel 7 and the 7 series. Which I think I heard something about that with Apple. I think they were saying that you could actually share your car ID with an iPhone uh, to a Pixel. Uh, I'm not sure if it was just a Pixel Seven series or what, but yeah, I think the I think the uh, digital car, um, what is it called? Digital car. Digital uh, car keys in wallet. Yeah, I think the digital car keys are really making a big splash into yeah, the looks like tech it. world. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to having it because too often I'm like, where the heck are my keys? And as nice as it is to have an air tag on my keys, I'm just like, I always have my phone. Can I just use that? So, yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, that is really cool, good news to hear just that, you know, you're able to share that. Um, especially if you're like, Oh, here's a friend you can drive or here's a relative, take my car, head up here, follow me, whatever. So yeah, that is definitely good. Um, is that immediate or is that rolling out? Uh, let's see. Google has announced that going forward, oh, okay. um, users so will be able to, and it says, uh, so long as they have a Pixel device running Android 12 above or an iPhone. So yes, you were, you were correct about that. Okay. Yeah. So there's cross platform right yep. there. Yeah. That's great. That is great. Yep. Yep. So, and I think there's only a limited number of manufacturers that actually support that as of now, but I'm sure that that number Tesla will grow. Does. Tesla does. I know Hyundai's working on it. I believe BMW is on that uh, train as well. Um, so it'll definitely continue to expand. Yep. Uh, lastly, we will move on to a bit a bit of a flighty topic. Um, but before we actually get into it, I just want to kind of want to reassure you listeners that um, this channel, Riley and I, do not intend for this to be meant at all. Uh, to dive into any of the drama with social medias um, and you know but but considering what has unfolded over the past week I, I did want to return to the whole entire thing going on with Twitter and maybe even break down what the future might bring um, so first we saw on Twitter how Elon Musk felt threatened that Apple would remove Twitter from the App Store and then also kind of was harping on that whole entire 30% um, developer fee that Apple charges. Yeah. Um, but later on in the week, we saw Musk take to his Twitter account again about visiting Apple Park and then seemingly having a good visit with Tim Cook and further explain how they both kind of cleared the air, um, you know, straightened out that misunderstanding of Twitter being removed from the App Store. Um, the part that I want to focus on during all of this is Musk made a notion that if Apple did remove Twitter from the App Store, he would make his own smartphone. Yep. Uh, so with that, I want to pose two questions. And um, this will actually be kind of the official question of the week, and I'll pin it on the um, comment section down on YouTube below. The first is, 
even with this little confrontation between the two uh, giant CEOs, do you think that we will see a smartphone come from Musk and you know his company? Probably. I think that if he's openly stated it, and there's a lot of people who love Tesla, um, love the company for what it is, I think you get quite a bit of following on this for sure. Um, my question would be to, to this, I mean, how would he go about doing that exactly? Because, I mean, you already have um, Android, right? And it's a software that you can kind of manipulate a lot and use it um, to different customizations, um, different kinds of UIs and kind of stuff like that. Um, but nowadays, a lot of those UIs are very similar in a lot of circumstances. So my thing would be, if he is going to, first thing he needs to do is make a completely different OS from top to bottom. Um, I think what he would do is actually just kind of piggyback off of what he has with the actual Tesla UI. That is uh, and, true. And that's why a lot yes. of people have actually coined this, even though they're, yeah, they don't think that it will happen or it's less of a, a, a point of interest because this has kind of been smoothed out. Um, they've just coined the phone to be, you know, Tesla phone. Um, so with that first question, I would say that, yes, I definitely think that this phone is going to happen. I think that uh, Elon has the capability. He has the resources to yes, do it. Yes, he does. It will take some time, obviously. Um, and then as far as you're saying, kind of, you know, you know, do you, do you think it will actually find success, especially beyond what Microsoft has tried to do? Um, remember their Lumia line back in the day? And then they just stopped making smartphones because it was just, oh, yeah. they, they came yep. in the game too late. Um, so there's the challenge right there. And I agree with you. I do not think that he needs to, I, I don't think he would ever even consider going for Android, you know, for, mm -mm. for an open source. No. I think he needs to make it his own. That way he has no restrictions. He has, you know, nobody threatening him saying, oh, we're going to disable Google Play services on your line because, you know, something's going wrong or you're doing stuff we don't like. Right. Yes. Um, there, there needs to be absolutely full individuality, I guess I would say, when it comes to that operating system. And I think when, like you were saying, I think you'll see three groups of people. One, like you said, huge loyalists, love Tesla. I, you know, really don't have any issues with Elon Musk. And then, of course, you have the polar opposite who are like, I can't stand him. I will never buy a, a Tesla. I just want to be done with the whole entire Elon Musk drama. Then there's people like me and maybe even you, who are just kind of in the middle and they don't really get into all the drama. They just kind of see things as it happens. And, you know, we're okay with what's kind of going on. We may not agree necessarily with how Musk does things. And there's certain things we just don't like. But for me, especially specifically from a tech enthusiast, there are certain things that I would want to pay a great deal of attention to. One, hardware. What yes. kind of processor would he use? Where is it going with that? Is it something where it's going to be a custom silicon? Is it going to use Snapdragon? You know, these are kind of things that you would ask. Uh, and then the other aspect of that hardware is the design. Yes. I don't necessarily think he's going to have a hard time with it. I think no. if, if he pulls off of the Tesla kind of design, he's going to have a very sleek. It's not going to look like a, f a car phone, you know, with like little headlights and stuff. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very sleek model, and I think it's going to do very well. I'm not sure if you have any, you know maybe disagreements to that i mean here's the thing 
I think the thing about it is Elon Musk has to also have a different mindset. He has a company where a lot of different cars are produced and their price is insane. I mean, you have a starter of 35000 to 106000 being from the, I think it's the Model 3 to the X in terms of price range. I think, um, and I'm sure he would do this, but just to state this, I think Elon has to have a different mindset in terms of pricing his products if he were to make a phone. Because mm. he, yeah, he needs absolutely. to understand that there's a lot of people that can't afford a 2000 or $1,000 phone. Um, you know, I, I, already, I have to pay off my phone right now, which right. yep. it's not like I can just go ahead and buy a $1,000, $2,000 phone. I don't have that kind of money. So that's the other thing I think Elon needs to do. And I'm, I'm sure he's going to do it just from the way that he kind of reads things in terms of how technology is advancing, um, how society are using phones right now and what kinds of phones they usually use. And they're usually like $600, $800, maybe 1000 depending on you know how much higher quality, like how Apple and Google and Samsung do. So that's my other thing. And I think the, the actual thing that I'll kind of, kind of come around about is the operating system. And this is kind of where this product ultimately takes its turn because, like I said, I think it would be its own platform. So I think the biggest thing I see is you would either have phones out there that would have virtually any app you want, with or without Twitter, uh, you know, depending on how the times change. And then you would have this phone, which would definitely have Twitter, with some pre-connected, internally integrated syncing between it and the Tesla model. Mm. Um, yes. But I, I, I kind of notion the idea that it'll probably have very little third-party apps and it all depends on how musk approaches this um first of all i think he would have a really good following for those who already have tesla tesla vehicles um and then depending on how he approaches his platform he could also one-up the competition and either you know lower the developer fee from like what Apple does with thirty percent and just make it maybe five or ten yes. percent, or maybe omit it altogether. I don't know, um, but I think that would really help inviting other developers to come along and say, "Hey, I'm being charged less, and I think this is a platform that could grow." Yeah, and and to add that, actually, Samsung also charges the same rates, thirty percent as well. So. I mean, it already right there. I think Google does too. If I'm not I think yeah, I think Google does as well. So if you already it's either twenty or thirty, yeah, yeah. If you already have a company that does like half that, you're already on top in terms of like having developers paying less. So they'll be like, okay, maybe he'll charge a flat rate of eight ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or seven ninety nine. No, that's pretty good. No, I'm well. It depends on if the app is like. A dollar, you pay like a dollar for the app, and it's like, no, you got to give me eight bucks now. Um, no, but seriously though, I think that's that'd be a good move as well. Um, it's just it, it's also hard to think as well because we're so used to this ecosystem we have right now of the big three, um, possibly even four here, um, and I think it would be interesting. I, I I'm all for it. I think you are as well. I'm excited about competition. Yes. I'm excited well. about healthy competition. Yep. It's just all how... And it, this this goes back to what I say about OnePlus. It's all about execution. You can have great specs. You may even have a competitive price. But if you do not execute, 
eventually you have will have followers that just kind of drift off else and, and yes. drift off and, and go to another brand. Yeah. So I think I think Musk would have a very good vision on how to do this, and um, I, that's the main reason why we brought up this topic because it, this this could be a potential smartphone that's coming in the near future. I would probably say two or three, two, 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 three, three years. years. Yes. Two to three years is what I was thinking. Um, at least for an announcement, Space OS. Like, I mean, what other name possible? Like Musk OS. Like, I don't even. Te- I mean, I guess Tesla OS, but Space OS sounds more. It just it makes more sense to me. But that's just me. Yeah. Anyway, with all that being said, we hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to hit that notification bell and follow us for future updates. Um, and we will catch you guys in the next episode. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out.